Okay, opening theme song, and hello, and welcome to another edition of the 18WB Podcast. I am your host, Chris Taylor, and I'm joined with the one that and only... Awesome. Oh, yeah, the one, I was going to say what you were, what you did. You're a lecturer. Right? Oh, yeah, sorry, I screwed yeah. that up. It's okay. Alex Wilson, the number one lecturer in all of Arkansas, I'm going to say, right here, right now. Alex Wilson. That time I paused too long. Yeah, it's good. It works out. So the very first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to go right off the bat and talk about Hello Kitty, New Line, which you know is a subsidiary of Warner Brothers, uh, got the rights to make a Hello Kitty movie. And Hello Kitty started out in 1974 as a character on the side of a handbag, and it sparked an entire universe of characters, the Sanrio characters. I don't know why I pronounced that with like a slight uh, Spanish accent. I don't think it's pronounced with the Spanish accent. The Sanrio characters. But yeah, it's kind of spelled like you would think it would have some kind of twang to it. Sanrio. Yeah, that's what makes me want to say it like that for some reason. But yeah, what what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a brilliant move to get Hello Kitty under your belt as a brand for sure. I agree. I mean, it's such a such a worldwide phenomenon, and it's made so much money through merchandise over the years. Um, and I, I think uh, there are also a bunch of different kind of animated television properties based on it. So it just makes sense to for the next step to be you know a movie or some kind of next big leap. For sure, some big Warner Animation Group like giant yeah. tentpole film for the summer. I can see Hello Kitty becoming is. We've had Hello Kitty in the States, but they really haven't tapped into that Hello Kitty market. Like, they could be making boatloads of money from Hello Kitty. It's, like, just as big of a character as, like, Mickey and Bugs Bunny, I think, really. Yeah, yeah. At least internationally. Yeah, for sure. Warner Brothers has also gotten the life rights to Teddy Pendergrass. He was an R&B singer born in Philly. His father left at a young age, then after meeting him for the first time, his father was stabbed when Teddy was 11. The big single that he had was Close the Door. By the end of the 80s, he was considered the Black Elvis. Then one day in 1982, he crashed his Rolls Royce, leaving him a quadriplegic, unable to move from the chest down. He made a return to the scene at Live Aid in 1985 and continued his career until he died in 2010, and Tyrese Gibson will play him in the adaptation. That should be a great test for Tyrese Gibson, but uh, I mean, sounds like it should be a cool property to work with, and hopefully he pulls it off. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it sounds like the perfect life rights to make a movie for i mean a lot has happened in this person's life or like teddy's life for real like this seems very intense like you said it's perfect oscar bait for tyrese if he can pull that off we'll see oh yeah warner just warner media news we have uh, after the acquisition of warner media by at&t uh jeff sucker will take over will take over control of Turner Sports, which will now include AT&T Sportsnet. So now he'll be in charge of Warner Media News and Sports, Jeff Zucker. Bob Greenblatt will be the chairman of Warner Media Entertainment and Direct-to-Consumer. Greenblatt actually helped produce Six Feet Under for HBO, which is interesting, considering Richard Plepper is leaving HBO after 27 years. And Bob Greenblatt is going to, you know, he'll oversee Warner Media Entertainment as a whole, 
which will then have HBO, TBS, TNT, and the Warner Streaming Service all underneath it. Well, as well as the Warner Media News and Sports, which Jeff Zucker is running, which is basically CNN and AT&T Sportsnet and whatever Warner Sports was happening before the merger. I'm not sure what that would be. Yeah, I don't know if that covers, I mean, I know on TBS they show March Madness and Maybe that he's just in charge of kind of making those licensing deals. Probably, yeah, just the that. just the regular Turner Sports licensing deals, which yeah. Sure, yeah, like you said, they had with TBS and TNT. So yeah, I mean, how do you feel about Bob Greenblatt? I know we talked about it a little on a previous episode, but it's interesting. Bob Greenblatt started at Showtime, moved to NBC, and now is going to HBO. So he's been in he's been in the business a while now. He knows what he's doing. I think. I just yeah. hope he- can keep up the prestige of HBO. That's the biggest fear that everyone has right now in Hollywood. Yeah, he pretty much built the Showtime scripted brand, and then when he went to went to NBC, he had some. It was a little bit more hit or miss, but at least he has experience kind of working in the premium cable sphere, but also in a, a more traditional broadcast network. So he's he's got kind of a wide range of experiences to pull from, and it seems like you know if anybody can kind of do the job of figuring out this you know large-scale company now and how to manage its different kinds of viewing platforms you know he's got a good eye for it definitely yeah so we'll see what he what he can do i've heard that a lot of like wall street put bob greenblatt in charge because they thought that hollywood liked him which i think is really interesting yeah (laughs) yeah it is it would be interesting to be a fly on the wall in those meetings because i mean yeah i'm sure he's liked by a lot of people but it's kind of hard to know exactly what your reputation is in specific circles if you're just used to making decisions from a boardroom so uh yeah it'll be interesting absolutely and warner brothers has acquired the international rights to reminiscence which is a blacklist script from lisa joy a writer on westworld and she started her career on pushing daisies she will yeah this lisa joy she will direct and produce and the script seems very Nolan-esque to me, which makes sense since she's on Jonathan Nolan's Westworld. And it'll share a DP with Westworld in Paul Cameron. Yeah, that should be cool. I mean, especially with her pedigree and kind of coming up and that type of, you know, writing for Westworld and coming up with those type of creators and figuring out that model. That movie should be pretty awesome. Absolutely. It's cool to see. It seems like that Warner's trying to find their next Christopher Nolan in a way of getting this blacklist script, letting her write and direct it herself. Oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman will play the male lead. Rebecca Ferguson will play the female lead. And the logline is something like, in a near-flooded Miami lives veteran Nicholas Bannister. Which, hold on, his last name is Bannister. I love that so much. (laughs) Working as a man who will let you relive any memory. Then he falls in love with a new client, May. That is until he finds a series of clues in other people's memories that imply May committed a series of serious crimes. Yeah, that definitely sounds right up Christopher Nolan's alley, and who knows if we'll end up seeing Nicholas Bannister being stuck in somebody else's memories and have to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio his way out of it. But, I mean, if anybody can do it, I think it's somebody who comes from that camp of writers absolutely so this is a very interesting project that i definitely keep my sights on as it comes to fruition warner brothers is actively making or wanting to make edge of tomorrow 2 matthew robinson is writing 
the sequel to the 2014 film based off a pitch he had about it, Doug Lyman, Emily Blunt, and Tom Cruise would be recorded to come back into the fold. Lyman, of course, being the original director. Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to see if they actually get Cruise and Blunt to uh, to sign on for it, or if they if they at least get Cruise's blessing on a new script. But uh, I feel like I remember Cruise saying, and at least it seemed like uh, the first go around went pretty smoothly. So yeah, and yeah. he likes to court his own directors. Yeah. For instance, the current director that made the fifth and sixth and now making the seventh and eighth uh, Mission Impossible movies, he kind of courted over and also made the first Jack Reacher and I think the second one with the same director. So, okay. yeah, Chris, Christopher McQuarrie. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who also writes a lot, too, right? I mean, had, hasn't he co written a lot of those movies? Yeah, I think he co writes all of them, too. So, it's, so yeah. Yeah. So I, I think if he likes the director, he'll keep working with them more and more. And I know, again, like I said, he courts them where he'll invite them over his house and then he'll buy them things and he'll start like making his way like into their lives more and more until they're like, okay, Tom, we're friends now. So I guess I'll direct you in something. <laughs> That's how he does it. And then if it's anything close to what Leah Remini says about it, you everybody plays a game of tag and hide and go seek. And then whoever uh, loses the game has to direct the next Mission Impossible. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> how it works. Uh, poor, poor J.J. Abrams. <laughs> yeah. He's terrible at tag. Notoriously. Yeah. Notoriously terrible at tag. Which tag was also a Warner Brothers movie. I feel like uh, I yeah. should point that out right now. <laughs> Bringing it all back. Mm-hmm. The Hanna-Barbera universe is taking shape in the form of Scooby, the new animated film from Warner Animation Group, WAG. Unfortunately, they aren't bringing back Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. He's been Shaggy in the two live-action films written by James Gunn and has been Shaggy's voice in, I counted, 32 other productions, whether that be a video game, a Lego direct-to-home entertainment movie, or Scooby Solves a WrestleMania Mystery or Scooby Meets Kiss. He found out from reading it in the trades, which sucks. Yeah, that's for, especially with how long he's played that character and to find it out in the news, uh, it's going to be terrible. Exactly. Matthew Lillard will be replaced by Will Forte as Shaggy and Gina Rodriguez as Velma. That's, I mean, both of those are excellent choices. I just, maybe Matthew Lillard will turn out to be the villain at the end. Maybe. <laughs> that would be really good if he actually was in the movie anyway. That would be really cool yeah. if they did or, that. Or Will Forte was an imposter, and you find out that Matthew Lillard, who's the real Shaggy, has been like locked up in Will Forte's like dungeon the whole movie. That'd be good. So Will Forte is the villain. Yeah, that, I mean that's just, that's just another pitch, a ton yeah. of great pitches for this idea. I like that a lot. Also, Zac Efron is playing Fred, and Amanda Seyfried is playing Daphne. Ah, interesting, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice to see Amanda Seyfried doing things. Yeah, definitely. Uh, she's de- she definitely. Uh, I mean, between I think like Les Mis really I think set her in stone in Hollywood. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and Mean Girls. She's pretty excellent oh, yeah. in that role, even though it's it's not a huge role, but she she kills what she's given in that one. Yeah, they all do in that movie. They yeah. all do. Uh, Frank Welker is also back as Scooby. He had the role since 2002, 
and he's the original voice of Fred since 1969. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. But get this, later this year in 2019, Warner Warner Animation and Hanna-Barbera are releasing Scooby-Doo and Guess Who with Frank Welker as Scooby-Doo and Matthew Lillard as Shaggy. So they're still doing a TV show that comes out this year with Matthew Lillard still as Shaggy. Well, that's good. So he doesn't have to hang up the mantle quite yet. Yeah. And that show is supposed to be on Boomerang, which is a Warner app right now for some of their animated series, which is a very confusing and silly brand to me. Do you you think it'll still stick around once they've kind of announced their Warner uh, Media services? Probably not. Or like the, the Warner streaming service will be like HBO boomerang or like cartoon network see i think that's the confusing thing they have boomerang yeah. cartoon. they have too many of these like they just need one one brand yeah. stick with that so i think they'll have those two hbo portal a kids portal and then like the main warner media portal maybe that's my that's guess nice. yeah the, the three different tiers <laughs> oh and a dc universe so you can add yeah. all these things to it you know all of these other brands That makes sense. Yeah, and you see how Disney Plus is doing it. There's like different pages, basically, different portals that you click on on Disney Plus that brings you to Star Wars and Marvel and Nat Geo and just Disney. So, Uh -uh. yeah, that might be how they do it here, but you'll just have to pay for each thing separately, maybe. I don't know. I don't know anything. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's a bold move from Disney Plus with rolling it all into one. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Warner Media either matches it or tries to one up them. Yeah, and at only six bucks a month is a really good deal. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I wouldn't be shocked if that changed after even just a year, but that's a great like entry point. Absolutely. The Scooby Doo and Guess Who, uh some of the guest stars on that I just find interesting. We can read them off quickly. Uh Kevin Conroy as Batman, you know, the voice of Batman is Batman. Ricky Gervais as himself, Halsey as herself, Mark Hamill as himself, Bill Nye as himself, Chris Paul as himself, Sia as herself. This is my favorite. Keenan Thompson as himself. Nice. Neil deGrasse Tyson as himself, Penn and Teller as themselves, and Jaleel White as Steve Urkel, of course. And then Kel Mitchell as Jaleel White. <laughs> yeah. And Sia as Chris Paul. <laughs> yeah. Is Chris Paul the... Is it? Is he the yeah, singer? The Houston, oh, no, I was going to say, I thought Chris Paul was like the point guard for the Houston Rockets. Oh, probably. You're probably right. And they do yeah. do basketball players. Like, they've done... I, I mean, I'm pretty sure Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was on Scooby-Doo back in the day. Or the, yeah. the entire um, Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, I I thought there was like a Joe Namath episode too. Probably. I think there are some like pretty weird names. Yeah, I mean it's been going on since 1969, Scooby Doo. So it's it's been it's just been constant. It's been a constant in America. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Back to the the movie with Will Forte. Uh, They're definitely building a Hanna Barbera cinematic universe because they got Tracy Morgan to play Captain Caveman from the Greater Hanna Barbera. Barbara universe and Warner or Warner animation voice hero, Mel Blank originally played captain caveman 
who was created in the late 70s. Captain Caveman started life in 1977, where he was thawed out by three angels and became the first superhero. Get it? Because he's a caveman, so they're like, oh, you're the first superhero. Oh, yeah. The three angels and him went on to solve crimes. It was a parody, in a way, of Charlie's Angels, and the show was called Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. And then on an 80s iteration of the Flintstones, Captain Caveman worked with Betty and Wilma at the Daily Granite newspaper, where he would be Chester by day and Captain Caveman by night. Obviously, the Daily Granite, like the Daily Planet, so it's like a big Superman reference there, Mm, which is great because it's all the same. It's all owned by the same company now, Superman and Captain Caveman. Yeah, you can have a Flintstones-Superman crossover at some point. Absolutely. Uh, He briefly appeared in a dream sequence voiced by Jim Cummings in the 2010 Scooby-Doo series, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated. See, as I said, Scooby-Doo's been going on forever, whether it's been these little independent movies, not independent, you know, these little movies that are separate from a TV show or a full-on new TV show. There's always been something like every year about Scooby-Doo or with Scooby in it. Should be pretty cool. Um, Yeah. Sad that Sarah Michelle Geller and Freddie Prince Jr. will not be involved somehow, but uh, right, yeah, understandable. Yeah, and Gina Rodriguez, who uh, who again is playing Velma, she has been in the previous Warner Animation Group film Smallfoot, so she's in oh, the family. Cool. Makes sense. Yeah, I don't think this movie is ever happening, but maybe post Avengers Endgame we can see this happening. But Sherlock Holmes three with Robert Downey Jr. and Jude Law has been moved from 2020 to December 21st, 2021, where it'll face the movie adaptation of Wicked from Universal and maybe an untitled Disney live-action remake. But those haven't been... Dumbo did not do that well, and The Lion King will probably do well, but I don't... I just don't see these Disney live-action remakes continuing past, like, the Mulan one they're making, personally, but I don't know. I haven't actually watched them, so I don't know. Yeah, it, it, it feels like, uh, just from face value, that the ones based around Disney princesses have had more of a following and kind of had better ratings. So I could see them kind of trying to maybe even kind of do what they're doing with Maleficent with like trying to make some kind of universe out of those films or maybe even, I hope they don't do this, but like a Sleeping Beauty 2 or something and... Uh, yeah, well, it'd be cool if they do it from a different perspective. Like, I think Maleficent was interesting because, yeah, you see it from the villain's perspective instead of the, instead of the main character. So I think it would yeah. be cool because they're making a Maleficent too now as well. But I yeah. think it would be cool if they kind of show you everything from a different perspective, which then makes me think after they do The Lion King, they should do a live-action remake of The Lion King one and a half. <laughs> oh, yes. That'd be awesome. <laughs> that would be really funny. Same with Return of Jafar. I mean, I almost liked that more than Aladdin as a kid. Uh, maybe just because that was I had that on VHS and I didn't have Aladdin on VHS. So yeah, which I watched it more. But which it was Dan Castellaneta, the voice of Homer Simpson, who played the genie in Return of Jafar. Oh yeah, not Robin Williams. Yeah, but I really love those two sequels, the third one and the Prince of Thieves. Oh yeah, that was good too. Yeah, that actually had Robin came back for that. Mm. Mr. Williams. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I had a falling out and then he had a then he had a falling in, I guess you can say. <laughs> falling in. Yeah. 
Um, Batman's 80th anniversary. Batman's 80th birthday was March 30th. Warner Brothers and DCL Entertainment are celebrating Batman's 80th in a year-long celebration, which began at South by Southwest, the film festival in Austin, Texas, where they flew a million and a half bats across the sky. I think That's you, pretty cool. I think you knew something about this, where there's a yes. bridge in Texas somewhere. Go ahead. Yeah, there's a bridge in Austin, Texas, actually, that at, at like, uh, I'm not sure if it's twice a day, but at least once a day at sunset, like hundreds of people gather around this bridge, and then as the sun goes down, just like a, a swarm of bats beneath the bridge all leave and they fly to some like home somewhere else and then they return the following morning and they just like kind of sleep all day under this huge bridge that has a a great shadow underneath it that's so Um, cool that's had to be that has to be what they were doing like they they saw this they saw that the festival was happening it's like a no-brainer to put those together and celebrate batman yeah that's what i'd imagine yeah the thousandth issue of detective comics came out march 27th and again, March 30th, uh, 1939 was when Batman premiered in Detective Comics issue number 27. So I actually just picked up the thousandth issue of Detective Comics. I got the Bruce Tim cover, which he was the creative voice behind the TV, the, the animated series. Oh, cool. Yeah. I thought you were going to say you picked up Detective Comics number 27, and I was like, wow. That would be pretty amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I won the lottery, you know. Yeah. That's how it works. <laughs> and Batman also had, um, they celebrated his birthday at WonderCon in Anaheim on March 30th, specifically. And DC Entertainment also released artwork to commemorate the occasion, and they have a little quote from it. It says, to, commem- to commemorate this milestone, custom artwork was created to pay homage to Batman's legacy in all forms of media. The Batman profile pencil design is by beloved longtime DC artist Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. See, I can say that one with, uh, <laughs> with a Spanish accent. I love it. And digital paint by Ad- Ad- Admira? Ad- Admira? Wijaya or Wihaya. the this graphic will be featured throughout the celebration that they had. Oh, cool! And and yeah, is it Lego Batman in there and like Batman Beyond and like it's it's actually a pretty well represented picture. Um, yeah, it doesn't just focus on one or two. Yeah, and it has uh it has yeah Lego Batman, Batman Beyond, the Dark Knight, like Christian Bale version the dark knight returns like the frank miller version that's cool uh, the 1966 batman for sure and i believe the middle one is the arkham games batman which i think is really cool yeah that is cool yeah and then and then and then of course the animated series is well represented on it too yeah yeah but uh, honestly the only two live action batman that are represented here are Christian Bale and Adam West. It's oh, kind of so interesting. Just cutting Michael Keaton and uh, uh, Val, Kilmer Val Kilmer and Clooney uh, and yeah. and the Affleck, the Batfleck. Oh, so there are no bat nipples on the on the poster. No bat nipples. Very disappointing. Oh, man. Yeah, no Clooney bat nips anywhere to be seen. Talk about rewriting history. <laughs> right, yeah. rewriting nipple history. 
That'd be amazing if, like, the next comic run of Batman, they brought that back just because everything's cyclical and somebody thought it'd be cool again. Again, the next Batman movie they make in, like, five to ten years has to be Batman Beyond. You have to get Michael Keaton back. Or, hell, like you're saying, get George Clooney back. Oh, Michael Keaton is Alfred or something? No, no, get him, get oh, him no, as get, oh, I see. old yeah. Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Ah, and then, that'd be cool. And like we were saying in a previous episode, get Timothy Chalamet to play Terry McGinnis. It's I would so perfect. be all in on that. Yeah. Shut up and take all of my money. <laughs> and Arrow on the CW, what that started the DCW universe, will end with a 10-episode 8th season. How do you feel about that? <laughs> I haven't uh, I haven't been keeping up with that. Uh, Me neither. I've I mean I was watching The Flash for a while, but I couldn't yeah. keep up with that either. I watched a little bit of The Flash. I saw the first season of Legends of Tomorrow, and I was very impressed with that show. Nice. Um, but then it, I mean there are just so many characters on that show, and there were, and there started to be so many different cameos that I just couldn't uh, keep up with it. Yeah, it's uh, very overwhelming. Yeah, it's really beautiful what. DC does with the previous actors who have been in other DC things though like they get them back like they got Dean Kane back in that in the DCW universe they got back the actor Brandon Ruth who played Superman yeah. in the 2000s and mm-hmm. yeah and so they really love the pull and Smallville did that in droves too I mean Christopher Reeve was on Smallville they really love the pull from their history I think it's yeah. really healthy and and I loved Smallville back in the day, but I bet, you know, if I was, you know, a kid again, you know, junior high, high school, I would be all in on DC Universe shows and I would probably watch all of them. But now it's just uh, it's just too many cameos for, for one person to handle. Yeah, I would I would love it. Yeah. Looney Tunes cartoons will premiere in France at the Annecy International Animation Film Festival on June 10th. Each cartoon will be about one to six minutes in length, and they've committed to a thousand hours of content. Pete Brown guard, the creator of the batshit insane uncle grandpa is overseeing production, but each cartoon short is going to be cartoonist driven, meaning the cartoonist has the power, which was how it was with the original Looney Tunes but was changed with Tiny Toons and Animaniacs, which were written by people like Paul Dini, who were contracted cartoon writers who would jump from show to show. For instance, okay. he also wrote you know, on Batman the Animated Series, but also on the Ewoks cartoon. Mm. So he was running all over town back then. A lot different from what they're going to do now with the Looney Tunes cartoons. Okay, so he wasn't just contracted with wb he could work at different animation studios yeah but he okay. wasn't he wasn't an animator he was just oh, a I writer i uh, got it so that's kind of why he could jump around and yeah that makes sense well these are all going to be animator driven so like the 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 storyboard art like the person who's the storyboard artist and the person who's like you know the like it's one animator who's creating the entire like you know three minute thing they, they 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 have all the ideas for the entire three minute thing, you know, just one person. And so hopefully you'll see like, you know, there was like a distinct Mel Blanc. I'm sorry. There was a distinct. Um, I'm I'm just drawing a blank on, on there's a distinct Chuck Jones or Fritz Freeling or Tex Avery uh, style to each of those original Looney Tunes. Oh, uh, that's cool. That's that's what they're trying to do now. 
Uh, Lucy Hale will be Katie Keene in Katie Keene on the CW, part of kind of the Archie universe. Should be cool. She's from Pretty Little Liars. I mean, yeah, she's getting cast in a lot of things lately. So Yeah, she was in that Truth or Dare movie from Blumhouse, so okay. she's, she's floating around. Yeah. She's the next Batman. <laughs> <laughs> she's going to be in Spike Lee's next movie, Son of the oh. South. Yeah. Interesting. Civil rights drama, Son of the South, starring Lucy Hale and Lucas Till. Yeah. That's very cool. I mean, I think also, obviously, Spike Lee's coming off a huge creative uh, a movie that was really good, Black Landsman. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's finally hitting I mean, his movies have always been reasonably successful, but now he's kind of hitting that perfect combination of... Uh, you know, commercial films and creative films. So he's kind of, he's figuring out that formula and finding some films that are hitting, you know, broader demographics than ever before. So it'll be cool to see what he comes up with next. Exactly. It's really great. It's really great and to w- see. And I wonder if Jordan Peele's going to co-produce this next one like he did uh, Black Klansman, because yeah. I'm sure that's a helpful ingredient to the success. I'm not sure. I mean, like, Jordan Peele really, like, the movies that he's made come came out of Bloomhouse, so it's this yeah. is really all like Bloomhouse's fault. It's really great mm-hmm. that we're getting all of this. It's really cool. Which brings us back to like you said, Lucy Hale was in Truth or Dare. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but Bloomhouse is universal. But anyway, uh, Mike Judge signed an exclusive two-year overall deal with HBO with a commitment to make two comedy shows, but they can't be animation. His first is called Quality Land, which is based on a book. Nice. Does he have like an exclusive animation contract with somebody else? I think I know he has. That's a good question. I'm not sure. He must. He's got that one show on HBO that he produces that is. uh, It reminds me of Drunk History, but it's kind of like these like musicians throughout time who tell these stories of being on the road and then they animate like reenactments of this of those stories um so i wonder if maybe they just thought okay well that'll be our animated mike judge show and we don't need another scripted one for right now i'm not sure yeah what's that show called i can't remember it but it's essentially like it's like drunk history but with people like willie nelson and they're talking about stories from the road and then animators come in and they literally animate their version of how willie nelson is describing this story um tales so. mike judge presents tales from the tour bus yes exactly that's yeah. and i think that's animated and maybe maybe there are a few live action interviews in that but it's mostly animated interesting hmm. maybe mike judge is directing space jam too <laughs> maybe over under what's the likelihood of lucy hale being in space jam 2 100 <laughs> percent of 1 million percent yeah the sesame street movie musical is set for january 21st 2021 uh, Jonathan Crisell, Portlandia co-creator, is set to direct with Anne Hathaway in it. Mm. Yeah, so you, you Should know, be cool. with the HBO deal that Sesame Street has, obviously Warner, who owns HBO, wants to take advantage of this deal and make a Sesame Street movie musical with them, which makes sense. I mean, follow that bird which was the Big Bird movie, came out in 1985, and Elmo and Grouchland came out in 1999. Those are the two theatrical films they've had so far. So this will actually be a third. 
I definitely haven't seen Elmo and Grouchland. Uh, I saw Follow That Bird for the first time the other day. but Oh, really? Seen, yeah. <laughs> what did you think? I mean, it is as delivered. You follow that bird, um, and Big Bird is trying to... I forget the specifics, but somehow Big Bird ends up in, like, Indiana or something, and he gets, like, this. these people who own a carnival are trying to kidnap him. Um, and basically, like, have them as, you know, on display in their carnival. And then the Sesame Street gang is trying to find him and help him get back to Sesame Street. Uh, and they just kind of follow him across the country. Until... And isn't there a Kermit cameo in the movie? I think so. Um, I, I mean, I just saw bits and pieces of it because I was watching it with a, a young child. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, but yeah. I remember loving the movie as a kid and thinking like, like what is happening? Like big, like they took big bro, big bird out of Sesame street. What is this? Yeah. And I mean, the costume looks great and it looks, I mean, they like, it looks like how you'd imagine big bird being lost and them trying to get him across country. So I, I think it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. I I'll need to watch it again. <laughs> yeah. But Terrence Nance is the creator of Random Acts of Flyness, which is a TV show on HBO. And he is the one directing Space Jam 2. Got it. Yeah. And Random Acts of Flyness is it's like a late night series uh, featuring a mix of like musical performances kind of this like surrealist melodrama uh it has it has animation in it and it's very, uh, that makes like, sense then. yeah and i can like i'm reading directly from imdb it says uh stream of conscious response to the contemporary american mediascape which i think is All very right. interesting and even like the cover is him is a baby covering his eyes but then there's an eye on his forehead and then someone is covering the baby's eyes, but then the baby has an eye on their forehead. That is LeBron James an executive producer on that? I'm not sure. It would make Cause, sense. Because I don't see how that gets bought unless it's somebody like, oh, yeah, we want to work with that person, so we'll make this show. But that just seems like such a tough pitch. It's Mighty Oak is the production company. It's because I can't visualize it. Yeah. But it sounds perfect for Space Jam. I mean, that kind of wacky combination of figuring out animation and live action and how to make it flow in interesting ways. So. Yeah, he's uh, yeah. I'm sure he knows what he's doing with the show. It sounds really great. It's, yeah. It, it almost sounds like it's just like surrealist. It almost feels like an Adult Swim thing. That yeah. At the last minute, they're like, let's put on HBO instead of Adult Swim. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Who knows? Hmm. The Tom and Jerry live action animated hybrid movie will be released on april 16th 2021 and tim story is still set to direct so they have an actual release date for that now should be interesting That's cool is that going to be a theatrical release or is it going to be on uh hbo or something it's going to be a theatrical release oh cool and the last theatrical tom and jerry release tom and jerry talked which freaked out a lot of people and they've I already didn't see that me neither. They've already specifically said Tom and Jerry will not talk in this version. Good. I don't like the idea of Tom and Jerry talking. Me neither. That, not, that doesn't fly. No, that doesn't flow well at all. That's what you have Sylvester and Tweety for. You don't exactly. need Tom and Jerry talking. Yeah. The Many Saints of Nork 
has a release date, September 25th, 2020, and it'll take place in the 1960s, obviously, since it's a prequel to The Sopranos. Hmm. And, oh, yeah, with James Gandolfini's son. And, yeah, and yeah. Michaela De, De Rossi will be the lead female role in the film. Very cool. Yeah, uh, my dad's very excited for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. James Gunn has been reinstated at Disney to make Guardians Volume 3, but he's contracted to make The Suicide Squad, a.k.a. Suicide Squad 2, first, which I actually mm-hmm. heard internally Warner Brothers is still calling it Suicide Squad 2, still considering it a sequel. Originally, it was being reported that Idris Elba would take over the role of Deadshot from Will Smith, which I think Will Smith did an excellent job portraying in the first movie. But now it's being reported that Idris Elba will play an entirely different character, keeping the continuity between the two movies more intact. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I could I could see that being a smoother transition than people expect just because, I mean, the, the characters are already... Oh, well, besides Deadshot, he's pretty humanistic, but most of the characters in Suicide Squad are so different anyway. Uh, I, I don't think it's wild to imagine like, oh, this is just kind of a different personification of the character, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it'll be interesting, too, because I'm sure when he's on post-production of Suicide Squad 2, he'll then start doing pre-production or production on Guardians 3. So it's uh, going to yeah. be interesting to see him being pulled from both ends from Warner and Disney at a certain point. I feel like that's going to happen. Yeah. I, yeah, I bet those... I, I'm sure those contracts have to be somewhat ironclad because otherwise they're gonna it'll be Superman's mustache all over again if they yeah. don't have it all. Well, mapped I think out. I think what Warner Brothers does best is they take these directors from their own pool and they're like, oh, you made this in you made this little horror movie for forty million dollars called Lights Out. I'm ballpark number for the for how much that movie cost to make. Or you know, or you made the Conjuring universe for us. Let's see what else you can do. And then they give them, they, you know, they, they upgrade them to the big leagues and they give them Shazam or they give them Aquaman. And then you see them, they see these huge successes as films. So I think it is kind of silly to be taking, you know, the, these Marvel Disney directors and supplanting them to the DC universe when really you should be curating from your crop. Yeah, the the only thing I'll say about this situation is it did seem like kind of a cool fu to take Sean Gunn, Sean Gunn especially for I mean the, James the, Gunn or yeah James Gunn Sean's his brother yeah <laughs> hopefully hopefully Sean Gunn will also end up in the movie I think um, he will yeah <laughs> but uh uh but but yeah I mean the only the only reason why this kind of makes sense is that Suicide Squad itself is I mean ideally they're supposed to be kind of like characters that are like a slap in the face of what you imagine characters to be and and obviously it is kind of like dc's version the guardians of the galaxy with a little bit more edge to it yeah uh but i agree with you i mean why why try to steal somebody else's secret sauce when you can work on your own so we'll see exactly but then again their own secret sauce was Zack snyder and we saw how that was turning out. But then they then they went and got Joss Whedon, and they tried to Joss Whedonize the Justice League movie. Uh, and, yeah. and now everyone's wanting the Zack Snyder cut. And it's like, well, yeah, you you already you already started driving the Zack Snyder car. Don't change drivers, you know, halfway through. 
Yeah. That I to- that totally didn't work. What I, that metaphor of what I just said. No, I said Zack no, Snyder was sense. a car, and then yeah, but you get it. <laughs> Don't switch cars out on me when I'm I'm trying to watch this car. I get it. Yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Warner Brothers got into some heat when they announced that Will Smith will portray Venus and Serena Williams' father in King Richard. The spec script sold for around $60 million. The trouble came from when people complained that the first movie about Venus and Serena is actually about their dad, which makes sense. Yeah, I can understand that critique. Yeah. I I still think it'll be good, but I definitely get at least from an optics uh, point of view, it's uh, not super great looking. Yeah. Uh, John David Washington, who was the lead in Black Klansman, which we were just talking about, and the son of Denzel Washington, will be the lead in Christopher Nolan's next movie, which will premiere July seventeenth, twenty twenty. We still have no idea what it is. Also, and it won't be. It won't be Black Klansman two, directed by Chris Nolan. <laughs> I don't. I maybe. I we don't, don't know. know. It could be that. But it could be anything. Know. So it could be. It could be the Scooby Doo movie, even though we know Tony Cervoni is directing that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Robert Pattinson and Elizabeth Debicki are also set to star in this untitled Nolan film. Uh, Elizabeth Debicki was just in Widows, which was a really great movie. Yeah, I never saw that one. It was really great. She was really great in it. She's like super Criterion Channel has come back from the dead and premiered on April 8th. Original programming from Primstruck is coming back and the films will be from Criterion and Janus Films or Janus Films. Yeah, Janus. It's Janus Films. Okay. I mean, you know, it's a, it was originally a Swedish film company, so it probably is Janus, but I think everybody calls it Janus Films. Yeah, I when I worked for Cineast Magazine, when I had an internship there, they would get stacks of DVDs in, and a lot of them were Janus and Criterion Films. Oh, yeah. yeah. Janus, Janus is even more like uh, Deep Track than Criterion sometimes. I know uh, I, I worked for like a Swedish film professor who pulled a lot of movies from theirs. Um, but it's sometimes it's not even like Ingmar Bergman. It'll be some even more obscure. More thing. obscure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then adventures in movie going and meet the filmmakers and observations on film art and ten seasons of John Pearson's split screen are also immediately on the Criterion Channel. Cool. So that's good. Again, I'm sure the Criterion Channel will be another add-on to the Warner Media streaming service. It seems like. The Warner Media streaming service will just be like all of these things bundled together at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, and I still think, you know, if it's got a strong enough brand like HBO, even Criterion, those two, like if it's got a strong enough brand, I could see people paying to like, you know, have those as premium add-ons. But if you try to tell me to like add on Boomerang for like $3, then that's when it's going to get ridiculous yeah exactly (laughs) or dc that's another great example like dc that that's a reasonable add-on but if it's something that just is a little too obscure i don't get it well what happens if it's like boomerangs like the exclusive place for the new looney tunes cartoons and the new animaniacs well i mean if it has like like if it is the warner brothers like cartoon outlet then that makes a little bit more sense to me yeah but if but if they try to split it between that and cartoon network then that's when it just doesn't make sense Um, exactly exactly they just seem to get rid of this boomerang brand i feel like it was more for their hanna-barbera e 
yeah. branding, but then that's a brand. Just say Hanna, whatever. It's... Yeah, yeah. I wanna, I wanna get Hanna Barbera and Looney Tunes all from like one place. If, if you exactly. try to get me to split that up, that's just get, that's splitting hairs a little bit too much. And, the, and those Lego movies and Smallfoot, all the Warner Animation Group films, all under one banner for sure. Yeah. And Cats Don't Dance, like even and the Iron Giant, like even their old animated movies, I want to oh, yeah. see in that brand as well. We'll see what happens. I forgot Iron Giant was uh, Warner Brothers. Yeah, that that they released that End uh, Quest for Camelot. They released oh. Iron Giant at when like Warner Animation in the '90s was dead, so it just kind of came out as like a fart. Oh like, yeah, no promotion or anything, unfortunately. Oh yeah, because I saw a documentary where I think the director of Iron Giant went was in the same class as uh, John Lasseter. Oh, Brad Bird. Mark. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Brad Bird, exactly. Yeah. Never mind then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he went over to Pixar yeah. and made The Incredibles, and that's right. And then the highest-grossing movie they've ever had, Incredibles two. So yeah. Yeah. And he directed, which we were talking about before. So he was definitely he definitely got a cake or something from Tom Cruise because he directed the fourth Mission Impossible movie, really? Ghost Protocol. Yeah. Huh. So he was courted by he he made out with Tom Cruise. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. That's a joke. Tom Cruise, don't sue me, please, Tom Cruise. It's a joke. They they at least made a lot of eye contact. I mean... For sure. (laughs) Asunda, an epic comic book fantasy from Sebastian A. Jones, is being adapted for HBO. It's about an orphan girl named Niobe Ayatami who has to find herself in a fantasy world, and she's born in the desert. Sounds very interesting. They're definitely looking for their next Game of Thrones, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Michael B. Jordan will be playing Methuselah, a character that lived for over 400 years, and they are readapting it specifically for him. As you know, he has a first look deal with Warner, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing premieres May 31st on the DC Universe app. Very exciting. They just released a little teaser for it where the the camera's over the swamp, and then Swamp Thing rises from the swamp slightly. You just see his shoulder, you know, just his shoulders and above. That I would check out as long as they don't try to turn him into like a high school Riverdale type. I mean, I love Riverdale, but that that should not. Yeah, be that I think it's going to be really dark. Um, it's, it should be really interesting. And we recently got our first look at Star Girl in her costume uh, for the DC Universe, and Courtney Whitmer is of course portraying Star Girl. And uh, have you seen the the? look yet for it i i have not and it looks like the comics but it also looks very captain america if that if you know captain america very well that's going to be the first thing you're going to say about this of course Hmm. i should be really good i I believe in jeff john so we'll see how it goes yeah out of all this i hope they keep him around because as as much as many problems they've had with some of the dc movies i think jeff john still knows what he's doing and he's about as capable as anybody uh, at the helm of those of those ips definitely and we also got our first look of pennyworth and the creator said it's in a different continuity than gotham because he also created gotham and pennyworth the trailer actually looks really great Mm. really surprised me how uh, moody and how cool it looks because it takes place in the 60s so it has a very moody 60s atmosphere i think it looks really cool 
And this, I mean, I don't watch a lot of Gotham, but the actor they got to play Pennyworth is pretty amazing. So I'm sure if they've, if they're able to do his character such justice in that show, they'll be able to figure out a way for this one to really pop on screen too. Definitely. Uh, Sonequa Martin Green is in talks to join Space Jam 2 as the female lead. Oh yeah, we have Space Jam 2 news. Yay! The rumor is she'll play LeBron James's wife. She's been on Star Trek Discovery and The Walking Dead. There's also another character named Malik, who is the childhood friend and business partner of LeBron James. And this character is based off his real-life childhood friend and business partner, Maverick Carter. Played by Bill Murray. (laughs) Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) We don't know yet. We don't know. It could be anybody. Yeah. It could be Lucy Hale for all we know. Other NBA stars are said to be locked into their Under Armour or Apple Plus contracts and won't make it onto an all-star team in Space Jam 2, although it is rumored the film won't focus on other NBA stars and will focus more on LeBron James's family and, like I said, not his NBA friends. Again, are they going to steal like his family powers and they're not going to know how to... like? <laughs> be a son and a wife he's gonna have to like he's gonna have to outfamily the monsters and get there exactly yeah it's just gonna be him like setting a table and changing a diaper like the monsters changing a diaper and every yeah definitely (laughs) meanwhile his kid his kid and his family in real life are like robbing 7-elevens and just like they're not they're not a great family at all they just uh they don't have their family powers anymore exactly exactly yeah Already done deal. That script's written. We did it. Yeah, well, I actually asked someone who is a big NBA fan since, like, I'm not. (laughs) Like, not that, I mean, I I have respect for the NBA. I just don't pay attention to it at all, you know? Yeah, I've got tabs on it, but I don't watch it regularly. Yeah. So I asked somebody, based off of either having a Nike contract, because... This movie's Space Jam 2 is obviously going to be Nike influenced since it's based off Nike commercials from the 90s. Who has a Nike contract or who doesn't have an Under Armour or like Apple Plus contract who could possibly be in this movie? So I asked someone who knows what they're talking about when it comes to the NBA and they told me Anthony Davis. Oh, yeah. So he, that's like, a good one. Yeah, because he has the brow, he has the physical characteristics. And uh, he's comfortable with joking about himself and has built a brand off of joking about himself. And he has a Nike contract and he's represented by LeBron James's agent. Oh, that definitely makes sense. Then. It, it all works. Anthony Davis is going to be in Space Jam 2. I guarantee it. And they're calling this new kid uh, who's going to be drafted this year. His name's Zion Williamson, and people are predicting Nike will sign him, but he could be like the, if they try to sneak somebody in like from the next generation, he'd, he'd be the name I think of. But but Anthony Davis is the one that fits like right now that would make sense. Perfect. I mean, you can definitely get both of them if they both yeah. have Nike contracts. It's nice and easy. Yeah. Uh, Warner Brothers has bought the pitch for Cloaker. It is said to be a single man sci-fi action franchise. Which I made up that term, <laughs> like John Wilk, or John Wilk, like John Wick, or the Bourne movies. The production—it's from the production company Safe House, from Joby Harold and Torrey Tunnell. And nice. at CinemaCon, they showed off some Birds of Prey and Wonder Woman 1984 footage. This is our final bit of news, and then we'll, we're done. They even showed off a bit of Ewan McGregor as Black Mask practicing weapons. 
and the Birds oh. of Prey stuff was more behind-the-scenes footage, while the Wonder Woman 1984 stuff was actual footage of her lassoing people in a mall, and you get a glimpse of Kristen Wiig as Minerva pre-Cheetah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I don't know how that stuff doesn't leak earlier than it does. I feel like CinemaCon's a steel trap compared to a lot of these other uh, festivals and conventions. Yeah, well, there ha- there has been screenshots of her leaked online, for instance... Uh. Uh, like Harley Quinn, she's wearing like a T-shirt and it has spray painted suspenders on it. Which oh, I, I think did is see really that. funny. Yeah, but I haven't seen Ewan McGregor as Black Mask. I mean, that'd be cool. I have not seen that. That would make me too excited. Yeah, <laughs> the greatest moment of my life was when my girlfriend's younger—he was like ten-year-old brother at the time—told me that I looked like Ewan McGregor. Oh yeah. See, like you look like Obi Wan Kenobi from the prequels, and I was like. Thank you. That's the nicest thing that anyone's ever said to me. <laughs> hey, I've I've gotten chubby Val Kilmer before, and I was like, uh, I'll take it. That, that nice. That's that great. That works for me. Yeah. I, so I you mean current, mean, like post well, yeah, 90s exactly. Val Kilmer. I was going to say, I hope they don't mean like a chubbier version of now Val Kilmer. I'm hoping <laughs> yeah. they mean chubby, like ripped Val Kilmer, which I'll take that one. Yeah, definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll take that to the bank all day. But if you're talking like post bender, like bordering on Marlon Brando status Val Kilmer, like that's, that's a no go. <laughs> yeah. And they're still going with the title Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. And wow. that'll that'll be released February 7th, 2020, while the Wonder Woman 1984 film will be released on June 5th, 2020. Cool. Yeah, so really the next big DC universe or DC film we have going for us is that Joker movie, which comes out in October. Yeah, which should, should be, be cool. Yeah, which is very strange to me still that they're doing that, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. So yeah, final thoughts on any any of the news, any of the Warner news you can utilize? Uh, no, not that I can think of. I mean, it'll be exciting to see if they can keep you and McGregor in the fold after the Birds of Prey movie, and maybe do some kind of team up with Deathstroke and maybe some other villains that they used to pal around with, but. Regardless, I'll, I'll still be at least excited to see him in one movie. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I think it'll be really good. I think that Birds of Prey movie is going to be better than a lot of the previous uh, DC output in the last 10 years, for sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. agreed. Yeah, so that's it for the AT&WV podcast. I have been your host, Chris Taylor. Please rate the show so it actually starts popping up. 10 stars, I think. Rate it 10 stars every chance you can just go you know what you do you go to the library you go to your the computer lab at your school because do schools still have computer labs i'm going to pretend they do i think so it probably looks a lot like the set of minority report but i bet schools still have something that looks like that yeah so wave your hands in front of the computer and get it to rate our podcast 10 stars that would be really helpful yeah and i want to thank everyone the previous episode the pokemon episode has been downloaded the most so far which is really exciting so thank you all for that Give yourself a round of applause. You've yeah. been wonderful downloaders. Thank you so much. And then we will get into Detective Pikachu in an upcoming episode. We'll also have a follow-up of Shazam. We have actually found a lot more Easter eggs in that movie. Uh, again, like we were saying, Warner Brothers in DC likes to take these legacy actors and throw them back in the movie. So there's actually someone who's in Shazam who was in Batman and Robin. 
and then mm-hmm. was also in Batman the Animated Series and was in Smallville. So oh, cool. we'll talk about that on another episode, which I think will be very exciting. So that's it for this episode. Thanks, everybody. And that's all, folks. Roar! This has been a full dinosaur production. I'm just, I have all of this information in my notes about uh, Star Wars. I'm trying to just, like, go through it. <laughs> I also have... I also have this thing, I'll, I can cut this out, but I, I wrote this tweet, and it's, I'm about to write a hip-hop song entitled, Hose on Fire, and the lyrics <laughs> are me trying to put out a fire without using my hose, because the hose is what's on fire. <laughs> that, uh, that tweet needs an image to it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> needs like a badly drawn guy trying to like stomp out a... F- Fire hose. Yeah. Ah, my hose.